0: Talking about personal spiritual development when we're talking about the love of God. And, and you can tell where you are spiritually by how you're doing with what I'm going to share about. So this can be a gauge of, of our spiritual connectedness with the Lord and our growth space, growth pace spiritually. Love, really, really, there is no spiritual growth without growth in love, with agape love, with unconditional self sacrificial love. The all kind of loves we talk about uh, as as uh, Americans, but this is a different kind of love that you only have if you know Jesus as your savior from sin. So again, this is an amazing love. Let me backtrack a minute. The, we have podcasts. I I've wanting to touch you every day so Monday through Friday I've been I've been uh, recording a podcast and they're available and they'll be available this Thanksgiving week too. Monday through Friday so you can go to Apple uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Podbean, Spotify, uh, those are the platforms we're using right now. Or go to our website, I think, uh, and and get access to the podcast. But it's just a word for me, 15 to 18 minutes generally, I cut it back just a tad. So anyway, I just want to minister on healing, and you're hearing so much crazy out there, how many know you need to build your faith up? So the podcasts are available, make sure you... Uh, frequent them uh, there every day. Listen to it on you commute to work or whatever. Then the notes, lastly, the notes are available for today. Go to Victory Church Raleigh, our, our website, and just click on notes it's readily. You can see it right when you get on there. I'm not going to say everything in my notes, not enough time, but uh, you can you can look at that and glean. We've been talking about this love of God, and we get back to this, and, you know, how many know pressure reveals flaws? Yes or no? And, and so... You know, the pressure right now in, in 2020, it's revealing our personal weaknesses, our personal falls, our personal aggravation points, and it's looking pretty woolly sometimes. Would you agree? And, and we're showing them and kind of airing our dirty laundry on Facebook and, and various uh, online platforms. Oh boy, oh boy. So this is really a time for the love of God. If we're not careful, we can let our gro- love just kind of kind of wane away, just kind of fade away. And that's what Jesus said because it would be a challenging time before he came back. Matthew 24, 12, I mentioned this a couple of times. It's worth it to mention it again. Sin will be rampant everywhere before he comes back. And the love of many will grow cold. Or the message paraphrased for many others. The overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Now we feel that, don't you? It's kind of overwhelming at times. Nothing left of the love but a mound of ashes. Wow. So again, the antidote for that is learning to let God's love uh, rule us from the inside out and this love again is unconditional a person does, doesn't have to meet any conditions to be loved by me and you when we let this love rule us then it's self-sacrificial that is it puts itself last and and it, put other, it, put, it puts uh, others first and you know the cool thing about this love is when, when we came to Jesus how many know uh, God just God put some of his DNA in you when you came to Jesus if any man be in Christ Second Corinthians five seventeen. He's a new creation. Uh, one translation says uh, uh, a new species. Uh, zoology, the study of life. Well, it comes all comes from the same word. God actually puts His life in us when we come to Jesus. Is that cool or not? Now, now it's in embryonic form. So, so it's small. It's undeveloped. It's uh, not used. But when you come to Jesus, there's a change. There's a potential for change. But see, we've got to do something with it. And the reason that I'm reading and sharing and ministering along the lines of love for a while is, you know, this embryo won't come alive unless you, unless you do something with it and, and you've got you've, you, you've to give some attention to it, some mental attention to it, or it'll just stay there and your mind will override it. The, the human mind will override the life of God unless it's changed. See how quiet it is? Did you know that? So that means you'll keep living the way you used to live with a little tiny scratch inside unless you come to the point and you, and you know that I've got to make some changes. Something's telling me I need to change. Well, the more that's why you read the Bible as a Christian. Why? Because it reveals to you the will of God. The Word of God is the will of God. And it waters that embryo. It's like a seed. You put a seed in the ground and, and, with, some, and with some warmth and some water. That seed will germinate, and the seed of the word in you, the seed of god 's life will germinate when when, when, you, when when you hear the word that's that 's the reason, reason i 'm doing this because i promise I promise you bring some changes so Jesus knew that, and he, he knew he was leaving he told his disciples a new commandment I give you that you love one another, and you know as i' have loved you, that you also love one another, and he said by this, all will know you 're my disciples so We've not done a great job in America as the church, of showing people unconditional self-sacrificial love. We've said, "I love you if you act like me, if you do what I say, if you you know if you don't, then I'm gonna you know love you at arm's distance." But God wants us to love unconditionally, right? So uh, last time I mentioned six. Everybody here, say I'm here. Everybody just kind of focusing in. Uh, anyway, uh, last week I gave sixteen characteristics of love, and we just went through uh, the epistles, letters written to the churches, and, and, and there's 16 scripture in the epistle, the letters written to the churches in the New Testament that talk about love. So I gave it 16 characteristics of love from uh, from uh, from all those various scriptures, and we mentioned that last time. Today, actually, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, is the love chapter in the Bible, and uh, you know, people often use it at weddings and this and that. And, but people read 1 Corinthians 13 a lot. Maybe it's one of the most widely read uh, passages of Scripture in the entire New Testament. It's 1 Corinthians 13. What I want to do with that today is, and I'm not going to finish today. We'll just go along and along until we go. Now, I found 15 characteristics of love from, from 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 through 8. And uh, I want to go through those just one at a time and uh, so I'm just going to read in the notes. If you're looking at my notes, I've got Amplified, which is an awesome translation of 1 Corinthians 13. But I'm just going to look at New King James today and just read that. And then we'll just start number one, two, three, And we'll probably get the four or five of them in today. And then we'll stop and start back next time. Is that good? So uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Now these are the characteristics of what God placed in us. That's, that's the vantage point. See, this is in you. When, when I read this no, this is inside of you. The potential for this is in you. So so here it is. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in truth. Bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the first little sense there of verse 8, love never fails. So there's a lot wrapped up in those words. So we're going to take it and break it apart a little bit at a time because it really does give you the, all the uh, various shades and nuances of love and, and how it acts. And, and before I go here, you know, our, our biggest problem in life, all of our problems, you get problems on your job, problems in your family, you got problems at church, you got problems with you. All your problems are people. Yes or no? Uh, is that true? If there were no people, we would have no problems. But that's not true because you is a people. And you'd have problems with yourself, right? Is it true? So really, all the problems we have are people problems. If you own a business, you got people problems, right? If you work at a business, you, you got people problems. Is it true? If, if you have family, you going Thanksgiving, hey, Hey, we're going to have turkey around the table, and all the fixings. And uh, there's challenges around the table because everybody's got an attitude and a thought, and we don't think the same way. Is that true? So even family po- problems—they're people problems. True. Their church life—you know—got so many different people from so many di- different vantage points from life uh, in life. And now because travel is so prevalent, and we, we're from all kinds of different locales. You know different places, different countries, different counties, different states, different nations, and we have different ways of thinking and then those differences produce friction. is that true so so problems all of our problems are people problems and see 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 love is like the oil in the cogs in the machine, like like your your um, your your uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Anyway, in your, in, your, in your vehicle, you've got a transmission. Got all kind of little cogs turning different ways. And you've got transmission fluid. Well, love is like the transmission fluid. If you let it dry up, it stops. If you don't put keep engine oil in your engine, it stops in your car. Is that true? Yeah, so, so oil. If you don't have the oil of love in your life as a believer, boy, you can get uh, uh, pretty whacked out and messed up uh, with how people Treat you or forget to treat you—is that true? So, 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 this is really a cool thing, and so, so, think about this attitude: that that what I do with love determines whether or not I grow. So, here we are. Let's get to number one here. First Corinthians thirteen four, um, it says, "Love suffers wrong." So, number long. So, number one is love is willing to suffer. That's not fun. So You get quiet. Suffer a long time. Isn't that what I mean by suffer. W- when you suffer. There are things people are doing that are not pleasing to you. You ever had that happen? How about this morning before you came? How about on the way? Uh, and, and it's not comfortable. And, and so love suffers long. And it's kind of... Now, now, let me say this about suffering long. It's another word for that is patience. Or you could say long-suffering, literally. Uh, you have the least of this probably when you're young. I had that thought, but then the other thought I have, you know what, What's a, uh, what I found out now is is people deny themselves when they're you know, living life, and they're, if you're older, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, retirement age come, and then a lot of people when they get older, they're like, you know what, I ain't done that all my life, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to tell people what I think, I'm going to voice my opinion, I'm just going to hear it, I'm going to let it fly, I've been holding back, I'm not holding back anymore. I many? you shouldn't do that, by the way. Yes or no? People are giving themselves permission to do things they would never do all their lives. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? It's kind of a weird time now. You know, I encouragement, if you're older, don't do that because you've got children that are growing up and grandchildren, and then got people watching you. You know, the younger people need. We put our older people in nursing homes. You know where they need to be? Out in life with you. That went over real big. Thank you for that, Amen. But because we can learn something from the older folk because they've been through it already, and if you gotta f- you gotta figure it out by going through it all, we're not going to grow and build one generation from the next. But you can build by learning, right? So anyway, um, life has a way of tempering us, that's for sure. Amplified Bible of uh, this love suffer. It says this love endures long and is patient and kind. So love suffers long, it's patient. Now there's two Greek words for patient in the New Testament. One is patience in circumstances, and I don't even have time to cover that one. I love I I could go the whole time on that. There's another one, patience towards people. So how many know you need two different kinds of patience? This one is patience towards people. And and the Greek word here, whether it means anything, I want to say the Greek word is macrothromia, and it's from two words, makros means long, okay? And, and so makros. And then uh, thumia comes from the Greek word thumos, and, and it means uh, hot, heated, uh, maybe even boiling, you know, intensity. So, so you got long-temperedness. Or, or somebody said uh, um, long-suffering. It's long-suffering or the ability to burn, a long time be aggravated a long time and still smile how you how you doing with that don't answer that question you get it so it's the willingness to restrain myself for the sake of another person so you know that means you hold back when somebody says something you're in traffic they cut you off boy i got stories gracious me i want to i don't have time to tell them all you know how many know there's always things in life that aggravate you every day is that true might be traffic, it might be, you know, at work, something that's going on. But, but you've you, you got to be willing to give up your rights, your privileges for it to be this way. And long suffering says, all right, I'm good. I don't like it, but I'm good. And you know what it does? It shows how strong your character is. Listen to Proverbs 24, 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So, so uh, everyday issues come up with people we're dealing with, whether it's at home, job, you know, uh, church, leisure, friends, things happen that we don't like. We got to make a choice. Am I am I going to act on it, or am I going to reserve myself and hold myself back? That's what this this uh, patience does. This macrothemia love is love endures long. That is when things doesn't go things don't go its way. Uh, the fourth th- century. I've got it in the notes. Uh, There was a a guy that lived in the uh, 300 A.D.s, John uh, Chrysostom, and he said that this word macrothymia, long-temperedness, is used of those who are wrong and have it in their power to avenge themselves, but they don't do it. Now, Now, you know, Susan and I, when we got some free time, I like to watch clean movies. You like clean movies? Not dirty movies, clean movies, so... And the kind of clean movies I like, I always like the antagonistic movies. That is, you got the guy that's the main guy, the woman's the main person, and and people are treating them wrong, and they just sit there. And they smile. And they want to say something, but they don't. And it looks like they're losing. And and, and people are constantly berating them, saying things, being harsh, whatever. And the person, you can tell, you know, it shows strength of character because they don't respond. I like that kind of movie. And usually in the end, the other person who's acting that way generally, and that's what life does to us anyway, they hang themselves, so to speak. They get into trouble by, by what they've been doing anyway. And then the person that's the main character in the movie just kind of smiles. Be- because life does that. Is that true? I like this kind of movie because it shows strength of character. Long-temperedness enables us to put up with those who do things that are potentially offensive, hurtful, and put up with it with a smile. I give this example for a service on when I was a little boy, I've talked about these two little cats. We had two little black cats. Actually, the pastor of the Baptist church, I attended gave them to us. And I mean, they, they uh, multiplied and divided. I mean, we had baby, baby kitties all the time. And the mama, we called it mama cat. My mama would call the uh, black cat mama cat. Because she's always having babies. And we had 21 cats at one time. I counted all the, walk out the door, you got food in your hand. And a little cat tail stick straight up. Hot dog food's here. So, uh, but... Uh, Mama's always in a corner somewhere, and she's had a litter of kittens. And, and, you know, little kittens are cute, right? And they got that cute little mew, you know. And so I pick them up and, you know, pet them and all and put them down. But but as they get older, you notice what the little kitties do, little kittens do? They aggravate Mama silly. <laughs> Mama's just laying on her back, some of them, you know, getting some milk. And the rest of them, they're gnawing on Mama's ear, gnawing on her eye, gnawing on her belly, one has got her tail, you know, I even saw one one time. I thought he was going to kill Mama. He got her nose and just, I mean, just biting it and, and holding, even sucking on her nose. Mama just laying there. Meh. Every once in a while, she'll shoot one off if it hurts too much. But, you know, that's long-suffering. Mama Kitty, I think about Mama Kitty a lot because how many know you need to do that sometimes? Just got to let it happen. Every day, we need patience with people. So you always have people that rub you the wrong way and God's given us an opportunity to be long-tempered in lots of ways. So if you're like me, I do not like long lines. Do you? How I many of you just a hot dog? Where at the girl? Hot, look at that. Man, I get to wait 30 minutes to check out. That's just awesome. Are you at the fat fish? I didn't tell this first service, I gotta watch my time, but um, my son and daughter-in-law and kids, their kids, my grandkids, came over Thursday night. My son was helping me install a faucet. Uh, in my kitchen. And uh, anyway, so I said, well, I've got to buy you some Moe's. We, we went to, welcome to Moe's. So, uh, welcome to Moe's. Bought, bought my Moe's stuff on my little app, you know. And, and then it said, well, it's going to be ready at 5.31 p.m. So here I'm I'm looking. So, well, I've got to get there by 5.30. So I drove up in time. When I got in there, there's a whole line of people waiting like me. And I figured out pretty quick, it won't be 5.30. 5.31, 5.35, 5.40, 5.45, and, and everybody's in line, and some before me, it's like, okay. So I just kind of walk over there, you know, to the register, and people are coming in, and they're getting served more quickly than we are, so it's like, okay, why do we have this app? So uh, I was just real sweet. Now, of course, you know me, I'm real sweet. Uh, so uh, so how long do you think it'll be if we're ordered online? About, about 30 minutes? And so we're getting as quick as we can, and this lady right beside, oh, y'all, I wanted to go, Hide somewhere. She said, Look, I've been in. And she looked at the guy that was serving, said, At the register, said, Well, you know, listen, I, uh, I, I've been in the fast food industry. I understand it's okay. So I just tucked my tail between my legs and I walked back and just kind of. <laughs>
1: so, how many know
0: long temperedness? Long lines. For you, it might be long lines. How about airline check ins? Everybody in their cat, and now it's all this distancing, and, and, and you're going to be late for your flight, right? Going through security you know I've took a lot I've had a lot of uh, a lot of flights so all these missions trips I've taken over the years long haul flights I mean you know 10,000 miles from home you taking multiple flights going through security you got all these looks like a thousand people and you just got two gates you go through you know and and then they got to wand everybody take everything out of you how many know it's aggravate is it an opportunity for long suffering yes or no how about DMV lines these are wonderful places aren't they all these all these government places, you know, just figure out these are great opportunities for me to learn to grow. You know, what I mean, for me, just Moses, I'm going to grow today. I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna be better now. I might mess up, but I'm gonna repent and keep going, right? JB Phillips translation, James one two. Listen, when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders. Welcome them as friends. Realize they come to taste test your faith and produce in you quality of endurance. But let the process go on until endurance is fully developed and you'll find you've become men of mature character or women with the right sort of independence. When all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, welcome to them as friends. You ever, you ever considered that when you have to wait, when people are aggravating you, it's a great opportunity for you to develop patience. So, is that all that to say this? This week... When you go into Thanksgiving with your family and your family members don't see eye to eye with you and there's challenges and problems and you feel the tension in there, it's a great opportunity to grow. Is that true? So every week, this week, every time somebody rubs you the wrong way, it just may be a God test. Am I gonna be patient or am I gonna lose my cool? No, love is long tempered. Number two, love treats people kindly. Everybody say kindly. Love is kind. Now now this is not what you think. This is not some nice little innocent grin. Love is love is kind. Love is nice. No, this is this is a kindness that's active and 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 not passive. You don't just think nice, you act nice towards people. So it's not just a benign smile. I got it in my notes here. So so Jesus, now so here's uh so here's uh, Judas, and he's been on Jesus' staff team for three and a half years. And the dude's a thief as well as a liar. And Jesus knows what he's doing. He's, he's sticking his hand in the pot. He's getting some money for himself. And he's supposed to be, you know, feeding the poor, you know, paying for their lodging, getting them some meals and stuff. With But he's, he's digging his own hand into money. And Jesus knows it. Can't you imagine Jesus kind of, uh, G- Judas comes in with the money bag. He kind of cuts his eyes over at him, like he knows. All right, see, Jesus knew he was a thief, And, and so here is Judas. He sold Jesus out for thirty pieces of silver, which was a good number, a good bit of money in that day, uh, for, to the high priests and to the religious people in in Judaism at the time. And uh, so so they got a they got a, a, a evening meal in an upper room, and they're 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 all you know reclining at the table like they did in their first century and and. Uh, and, and here comes Judas in the door. He's just made a deal to sell Jesus out, and he's going to die. And Jesus knew what he did. God spoke to him. He knew what he was doing. And what did Jesus do? He, he was kind. How was he kind? He said, hey, Judas, hey, how you doing, man? Did you have a good day today? Hey, come and, sit. come and sit up here near me. Hey, you need some bread? He pulled off a piece of bread. He said, here's a piece of bread. Oh, oh, wait, don't eat that. Yeah, wait, wait. Well, here's some olive oil. I got the best dipping sauce on the street. Come here. Oh, oh, let me hold it, let me hold it. He dipped the bread, said, oh, 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 no, no, just lean over here, let me feed it to you. Jesus was kind to Judas. You get the idea of what kindness is there? Then you think about Stephen, the first martyr of the church, Acts 7, probably got his hands behind his back, probably on his knees, and they're chunking rocks at him. He's the first martyr. They're killing him a little bit at a time. So the stones, small stones, big stones, they're putting bruises on his body. They're bashing his cheeks and his mouth probably knocked his teeth out, you know, hit him on the forehead, and it's bleeding really bad. And you know, it's just terrible, terrible. And, and you know, and, and you know what Stephen says? He can't do anything, but he was still kind. And the only action he could take was a prayer. He said, He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge before he died. That's, that's kindness. Think about Jesus on the cross, got nails in his hands, nails in his feet. His body looks like hamburger meat by the whipping he got from the 9 tails from the Romans. And so he's hanging on the cross, can't do anything, and just to breathe aches and hurts because he's got to push on those nails in his feet. It's hard to talk about. See, Jesus was still kind. He couldn't do anything because he's hanging, but he did as much as he could. He was kind. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So what does that tell me? When, When people treat me like they shouldn't and they take advantage of me and they got a snarky little attitude, what do I need to do? I need to be like Stephen. I need to be like Jesus. I need to be kind, find a way to serve them. That's what they did. So, so you know, for us, it could be mowing your mean neighbor's grass or, or mowing the grass of the person whose dog poops in your yard every morning at 7 a.m. It's supposed to be funny Are not laughing. Or helping helping a new mom with you know cooking and cleaning her house. How many know that's kindness? Helping a person with a disability open you know, open the door for them. Help them help them get to their car. Whatever whatever needs to be done. Used to be an act of kindness would be visiting somebody in the hospital. You can't even do that now, right? But you know you can send them a text or send their family a text and tell them you love and care. Kindness is helping someone. Matthew five forty four. I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, spiteful, spiteful uses, using you to their advantage. Jesus said, be kind when he said, love your enemies, and he showed us how to do it. That means, that means uh, you know, bless them, say good things, and then do something for them. Bake them a cake, bake them a pie, invite them over for Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and then pray for those who use you to their advantage. Now, I'm going to make some quotes from a book uh, that I've had in my library since 1970. I actually think I bought it in 1977. I had a copy from a bookstore in my home church in the first Bible school I went to. And then 1980, uh, Susan and I attended Kenneth Hagin School in Tulsa. And and one of the books they gave us on the orientation day with all the books they gave us to read that year was uh, a book by Mrs. C. Newsom, N-U-Z-U-M, called The Life of Faith. Copyright of the book is uh, 1928. It's 92 years old. And it's an awesome book. Kenneth Hagin started his ministry with his Bible and that book by Mrs. C. Newsom. She was a missionary to Mexico. But she could put more in a sentence than most authors put on a page. Just amazing. And I've read that book all my life. It's probably, in fact, my first copy, I still got it, but I, yeah, I can't read it anymore. It, it literally, the binding, the glue on the binding fell apart. It just, it came apart. I've read it so much. I mean, that book has helped me because every time she says something, she slaps my jaws and makes me think about me. So there was one uh, chapter in the book um, uh, called um, um, Love, and the whole chapter, chapter 16, uh, is on love, and I've read that chapter over and over again, and I've got all kinds of colors of highlighters and every, almost every single piece of that chapter is highlighted because it spoke to me. And this book helped me develop. Here's what she said about kindness, Mrs. C. Newsom, in her book, The Life of Faith. Love works by being kind even under long-continued suffering, real deep suffering brought upon us by someone else. Love will be very kind to that person. Now, you know, over the years when people have done me wrong, and I know they knew they did me wrong, and they kind of stuck it in me, I'd read that and say, you know, Lord, I need to pray for them. Let's help me. Number three, love is not jealous. Does not envy, King James says. Amplified says love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. The Greek word zelu is where we get our word zealous. And it could also, it is also translated jealous. So let's talk about love does not envy. So, so let me talk about the word envy and, and there's two connotations to it. Envy is to, okay, number one, it's, it's to want what somebody else has. Right? So, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. It's ox, his donkey, his cart, it's whatever. And so, that's one way of looking at it. Somebody's got to tell me, say, Well, I want that. I want that. I, I, want, I want whatever it is, you know. And, and then the other connotation to this is envy is somebody gets really blessed. And you were, wish they weren't as blessed as they are. I wish that hadn't had. Who do they think they are? Somebody gets a promotion. Their salary doubles. They get a bigger house, a bigger car. A big car, nice car, leather seats. Really nice. Brand new. No miles on it. You're still driving your cooker. And the passenger seat's got a couple of rips in it you're looking at yours and looking at theirs so they don't deserve that who do they think they are see that's envy don't raise your hand if you've ever done that see we have to deal with those kind of things right See, love, to, it, love, is, not jealous. love is not jealous it's not envious so, so here's the question I have to ask myself am I happy when others are more blessed than me so somebody's doing better life is better to them How, hey Thanksgiving's a great time so families get together brothers and sisters are, you know talking together and and you know it's it's everybody's playing one up on each other. How you doing? What you doing? How's your job? How's your how's your how's your children? Well, they married, got a couple great kids. Oh, really? Really? How you doing with that? Well, I'm good. And and everybody's just talking about how much better they are than the other. How many know that's how many know that's that's kind of wrong? It's envy, right? You should be glad. Yes or no? Everybody's real quiet in here person walking in love is not focusing on themselves. They're focusing, first of all, their relationship with the Lord on it, and they're putting themselves and their needs last. A jealous person is thinking only of themselves and how the other person's actions are affecting them. Now, listen, when I was a teenager, I was a very jealous person. I mean, my first girlfriend, I had to know where she was at all times. What would you do Monday night? How about Wednesday night? Where were you at Thursday? I had to worry, what would you do? She had to give me an account of her time. Well, who'd you call? Who'd you talk? How long did you talk to them? Was that a boy you were talking to? What were you saying to him? We worked at the same place. She's carrying on a conversation over here over here by the apples and the produce. Hey, what were you talking about over there by the apples? That's jealous, jealous, controlling, jealous. You get it? I was, jealous of, I was jealous of my friends. See, I was envious of my friends, jealous. What do I mean by jealous of my friends? Well, you know, my friends... I thought my friends ought to spend all their time with me, but they had other friends. And then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Y'all went camping and didn't tell me? Y'all went hunting and didn't tell me? You went to that restaurant, ate that steak, and you didn't invite me? Me? How many know it's jealous? And how many know it'll affect you? No, no. When I'm thinking about me only... I'm thinking about what others are doing only in the context of me, not in the context of how they're helped, how they're blessed. The center of that world is me, and how many know that's wrong? So, so I got an acronym years ago back in the 70s. We had an acronym, uh, an acronym that helped me. If you want to have joy, now here's an acronym, Jesus, others, you. If you want joy, put yourself last. Put Jesus first and put others before you, Right? If you get it mixed up, how many know it just doesn't work right? So if we want life to be good, we can't be jealous of others. If we're jealous of others, envious of others, we're only thinking of us. Mrs. C. Newsom says this, Love does not desire the position, the honor, the benefits, the favor, the esteem, or the blessings that others have, but is glad to see other people enjoy blessings or things and would rather help them to get more than to take away from them anything they have when i first came to the lord really this was a real problem for me and i found myself over and over again with this little book saying god you need to help me i'm envious at other people they're more blessed than i am and i know i'm just a kid i'm just a young man but you know what i shouldn't be feeling bad because they're blessed if you feel bad when other somebody else is doing good Friends, that's envy. You just have to say, Lord, just help me. Because it's self-centeredness. And you know, I had a boatload of it and God's had to deal with me and this book has helped me so much. Number four, love does not brag. Everybody say brag. King James says love does not parade itself. Amplified says this, love is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. So the Greek word here literally could be translated love is not a braggart. Or a person that parades their wares, parades who they are, parades their their abilities, their skills, their money, their stuff. Doesn't parade it in front of others. Doesn't talk about only about their accomplishments, their talents. William Barclay is one of the guys I love to read after. after he's a he's a, a Bible expositor from uh, from England, and he says this: the really great men. He's referring to people in general. The really great people never think of their own importance. See, love does not parade itself. Love does not show off. Now, you know, you see this in kids. Uh, my uh, my first grandchild had his fifth birthday is today. So happy birthday, Loic! But uh, we had a little birthday party yesterday. So a couple of my kids were there with their spouses, and I have four grandchildren there. And you know how kids are, right? So so kids. Kids love to brag and love to show, and it made me think yesterday when I was over at my son's house and my and my grandkids and all were there. Um, you know how what kids do, and so I I, I thought about it yesterday because I was studying this too yesterday before I went, and, and so you know how kids are. So Susan and I went to a friend's house, and uh, and we didn't have any kids at the time. This is back in the early '80s, and um, and and but the friend had one one child, and so we sat down, we had we had our meal, the you know their. Their child's, I don't know, four or five years old or so. And and so we finished the meal and then we got to the living room. And we sat down, we talking and, you know, just having fun and laughing and joking and stuff. And here's their little kid. It's a boy. He comes out of his room and he comes down the little hallway, comes into the living room. And, and he kind of has a sheepish look on his face. And he had something behind his back. And he goes, and he had a red car. And he wanted to see his red car. I said, well, that's a nice. When I said, that's a nice red car you got there. Man, he just beamed. yeah, that I mean, would a red car. And so he goes back to his room. And he comes back out again. He's got his hands behind his back. <laughs> and then he goes, phew. and he had a red ball. <laughs> and, and he waited until, and so we're talking. And, and I see him in my periphery vision. And he's waiting until I say, oh, man, I, man, phew, man, I wish I had a red ball like that. That's a nice red ball. He just beamed from ear to ear, and he kept doing that. You know, I think, man, that's you know, some people never grow up. Yes or no? You got your little Rolex watch, you know? How you doing? You got dinner? Somebody just kind of showing that, you know? And I don't have a Rolex. This is an Apple Watch. I'm a geek, okay? But but you know what I mean. Already got a new ring. You, know, you got a new car got a new thing you just got to let everybody know now you know it's okay to do that sometimes but if you got to do that because you don't feel good about you how many know that's a real problem and, and people that brag and show off that's a person who's insecure within themselves when i'm securing god's unconditional love for me i don't need to brag i don't need to show people what i have you see somebody that's always showing Always talking about what they have or where they've been and how many trips they've been on, how many islands they've visited, and how many they, you know they, you know. It's okay to be as friends talk about stuff, but if you go overboard, it could be bragging. How many hear me? So again, Mrs. C Newsom, love does not think I know how things ought to be done. My opinions and advice are better than the opinions of. And advice of others, I live better, I'm used of God more, I know more than that other one. You know, love doesn't brag. So number five, and I'll close with this one today. Love is not proud. Or King James says, love is not puffed up. How many, what does God do to the proud? What? He resists them. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. This word proud really means to inflate. It's similar to that bragger, but it's a little bit different. You know, a person, again, a person who has love controlling, you don't need for people to know about your accomplishments, how much you got, where you live, if you got a big old house and a really nice car, whatever. You just don't need it. You just don't need it because you're secure in who you are in God. No congratulations is necessary, right? So again, uh so so pride. Let's talk a minute about pride. And and you know, for me, I've had to deal with pride in my own life. I've I've always said the Horton the Horton family's got a got a root of pride a mile deep, and I've had to deal with pride. And and God's had me on my face a lot about personal pride in my own life. But let me let me talk about another side to it. There can also be a false humility that 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 prays itself as pride. So now, uh, this is a true story. I'm, I'm not real proud of it, but it happens. This is 77, 1978. You know, my side of the family, I've got a double first cousin. That means his DNA is exactly like mine. That, you know, brother, brothers and sisters on opposite ends, married. And so, you know, uh, we had the same grandparents and all. Anyway, uh, and, and this, uh, one of the sides of the family, we could just sing. We just had this ability. We can carry a tune. He can see he sings just like me. I thought that's really weird. His name's Alan. Hey Alan, if you're watching, but he sings just like me. We just got this musical thing with us. And so, uh, you know, I had a I was part of the chorus when I was in school as a little boy, you know, and that. But I never sang solos or anything like that unless the chorus, you had one little, you know, stanza a little verse you sang. That's about it. But nothing where I stand, but, but, so I got, came to Jesus, they found out I could sing. And the pastor of the church, a big old church, I was going to the Bible school, I want you to sing on Thursday night. Me, me, me. See, I want you sing. I'd never done that. So I, you know, at the time you get a cassette tape, you get the song, you know, you play it about 50 times and figure it out and sing it to yourself. So I got up there and here I'm perform While I'm performing, y'all, I'm singing, I'm singing, and everybody's going, woo! And everybody stands up and my head gets real big, slightly like, older. So I say, finished finish singing, you know, I mean, I'm just like 19. And uh, so I was finishing singing, and everybody at the end of the service, they're crying, oh man, I didn't know you could sing, it's awesome. And, 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 and so I'm in a back hallway, and, and this one guy says, that was really awesome, that really ministered to me. And here's what I said. I said, well, that's just the Lord. That's just the Lord, just the Lord. And and when I said that, the guy that led me to the Lord, he's standing over here not too far, and he was within earshot of what I said. He grabbed me by the arm when I said that, finished my conversation. He said, can I talk to you? He took me to a side hallway. He said, you shouldn't be saying that. I said, what? He said, you just said that's just the Lord. He said, that wasn't just the Lord, that was you. And that person tried to give you a compliment, but you didn't receive it because you deflected and said, well, that's just the Lord. No, God used you. And here's what I wanted to, oh, I wanted to slap his jaw. He said, he said, really, you got false humility going on. You think you humble. That was really pride. Slap me. Right? But you know what? If you got a friend that'll do that, you got a really great friend. I, I went home thinking about my sinking. And then all I could think about is what I said to that guy and my, and my false humility. And I repented and said, God, forgive me. Here's what my friend said. He said, always uh, somebody gives you a compliment. Always say thank you because that's nice to them. That's appreciative that they would take the time to say something. Always say thank you. Then when you get off by yourself, you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. He said, otherwise, it's, it's a false humility. So you've got to deal with pride. I'll tell this story and I'll close them. Um, There was this man by the name of Dick Mills. He was a prophet, and in 1993, I took him all over the state of South Carolina. He came. He actually came to our church. I was pastoring a church for a pastor. I was his associate. He left and and did a missions thing for one year in a pastor's church in in his stead. And so Dick Mills came, and he was well known. He he had some. uh, He he knew uh, Hebrew and Greek very well, Uh, but he had this prophetic. He could look at a person. And and twenty at minimum, 20 scriptures come to his mind, 25. And he would just read you. He, he read Susan and I's mail. I got these dates, March 20th, 1988. He looked at us and everything I'd been praying, he just said, I thought, wow. Anyway, he came to South Carolina, took him around. But he was at our church one Thursday night. We had a Thursday night service. And uh, we, I mean, the church was packed out. And here's Dick Mills, well-known from California, yada, yada, written books and all that. So he's up and he ministered. I mean, it was just powerful. You could, could just cut the atmosphere with a knife. It was so, I so great. And he ministered to so many people. Of course, there's such a buzz in the atmosphere because he was there. And, um, and, and so we close the service and everybody's talking, wow, wow. You know, he ministered to this person. They're talking about what happened. And, uh, and finally, and after a few minutes, I thought, like, well, where, where's Dick? Where's Dick Mill? He, he's nowhere to be found. You thought he'd be out talking to people and say, no, he's, he's nowhere to be found. So where's Dick? So, so I go, and, and I was the associate pastor. Pastor, it, I had an office near the stage. I, I just kind of opened the door. When I opened the door, here's a little small lamp that didn't have much light in on. And here's a little t- a chair by a little table with the lamp on. And, and I opened it, and all I could see was a pair of legs with, with a coat. His coat was all over his leg. And I walked in, and there's Dick Mills sitting in the dark almost with his hands raised up, palms up in front of him. With his eyes shut, I said, "Dick, people are people are wanting to see you." He said, "No, no." He said, "He said when God uses me, I get off by myself because it ain't me; it's him." Isn't that awesome? And you know the way our culture is right now—you know, we're all about me. It's all about us. It's all about this happening and that happening. And you know, even in ministry, even as a as a man or woman of God or somebody you know we're all we're self-congratulatory. Even now you can you can hire a PR agent to make your ministry go and promote your stuff and you know we need to learn to hide. But I don't know about you. If you were gonna grow, we have to learn to grow in love. And when you grow in love, you put yourself last. You put Jesus first. And in between so there's Jesus there's others and then there's lastly there's you so 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 how does the equation of life work for you right now do you have to be seen do you have to be heard when the lines are long do you get aggravated like me you have to go up and say something. you know just, oh god help me you now we we're going to have some great opportunities this week often You know, when you have a holiday you're around people you're not usually around and then that rub comes. The chaff comes. The challenge comes. We try to one-up each other. I want to challenge you. This is a week and every day is every... Every day that I wake up it's a day for me to grow in love. How about you? So every day this week regardless of who you're relating to whether it's your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, people that you work with, friends people in your church life or extended family because it's a holiday. You know, God wants us to love. He wants us to, he wants us to, to be willing to, to put ourselves out for other people. When they say things and do things that we don't like, how many know we just need to learn to smile and suffer along, burn a long time, we need to learn to be kind, we need to learn not to brag, show off be prideful. How many know God wants us to do it? So Father, this week, In every one of us, we're going to go through challenging situations with all kinds of people, whether it's home, work, friends, leisure. I'm asking you, help every one of us to remember these things. I'm asking you, let the love of God develop deeply in each one of us. And Lord, take the circumstances that every one of us are walking through. Lord, use them as as a conduit into the love of God. Help Help us, Lord, when we respond the wrong way to repent, ask forgiveness and keep moving. Help us to develop in love in Jesus' name. Amen.